social, impact, everywhere. Welcome back, my fellow social impactors, to another episode of the Social Impactors Podcast. And today we have another special guest. We have Kevin Hancock, who is the author of The Seventh Power, One CEO's Journey into the Business of Shared Leadership. Now, in 2012, Kevin was diagnosed with spasmodic dysphonia, which is a rare neurological speaking disorder that made communicating difficult. The partial loss of his own voice, while initially considered to be a hindrance, was eventually seen as a, a possible gift and an invitation and a calling to lead differently and to strengthen the voice of others. So Kevin, because of this, has been featured in the New York Times and TEDx, and I'm really excited to get in the conversation today. So I just wanted to end that, Kevin, by saying thanks so much for being with me here today. It's uh, my pleasure, Avery. Thank you for having me. Awesome. So Kevin, the first question I'm going to ask you is just kind of to expand on what I said already, but a little bit more about who you are, what you do, and why you believe you're a social impactor. I, well, I love the focus of your podcast, and I'd like to start by saying that, that what I really believe is that we are all social impactors. However, many billion people there are on earth, there are not many social impactors. What I think really makes the difference is uh, who is intentional about the impact that they're making. And I think what's incumbent upon all of us as humans is to try to be as intentional as possible about the social impact that we're making. So in my case, to your specific question, I'm the, the CEO of, um, of a company up in, up in Maine, a pretty big, pretty old company that's been in business since uh, before the Civil War. And we have uh, over 550 people who are part of our team. And for me, that company and the people who work there uh, create one of my primary opportunities to make a social impact, which is to do good through the power of the business, starting with uh, the people who work at the company and to make sure that their experience at work is a positive one for them and a meaningful one for them in more than just economic ways. Mm, okay, so you're using that business as kind of a catalyst for that social impact. Right, I think, uh, yes, and, and, and I guess I, I think another way to think about that is, um, is what are the institutional mechanisms in society to make a social impact? And I think the place of work is uh, definitely one of the best ones at first because so many people do it. In America, 160 million people work. Globally, 2 billion people work. And then you have the economic output um, of business. And when you put that 
that human capital together with the economic output. It's uh, it has just tons of social impact potential. Yeah, I, and I mean, I, I couldn't agree with you more in the sense that businesses uh, across the board can be used for building an impact in the world, whether that's social, environmental, you know, that cause, but we can use business as that accelerator to get to these places of making the world better for other people. Totally. Exactly. In fact, I might say uh, that is the purpose of of business in the 21st century. I've given this quite a bit of thought, uh, and I really think that in modern times, the purpose of business really needs to be social impact, that if the business is not having a positive impact on the people who are connected to it, again, in more than just economic ways, then I, I don't know what the purpose of, of the business is to me that is the mission of business yeah i like that i agree so uh, this is going to be uh i'm going to ask this question first because i think this is a really good um way for the audience to kind of understand you a little bit more in depth uh, uh even more to what you're doing and this is a surface level question but i'm going to ask it with everything you're doing and everything you've built over your life and learning through through just the challenges that you've had how are you then making a positive impact in your community. Right. So I, well, I'll take the the um, part of the story you opened with. So I acquired in 2010 uh, unexpectedly a rare speaking disorder that I'd never heard of before uh, called spasmodic dysphonia. And for the first time, uh, in my life, it, it um, uh, helped me understand what it was like to not feel fully heard because I couldn't always express myself the way I had been used to. And then, somewhat serendipitously, I began traveling a couple years later in 2012 from my home in Maine to the Pine Ridge Indian Reservation uh, in the southwest corner of South Dakota, which is one of the biggest, uh, poorest, most historic, and traditionally uh, kind of disenfranchised of all the Sioux reservations on the Northern Plains. It's a place I've now been over 20 times, and there, Avery, uh, from my perspective, I, entire, I encountered an entire community that didn't feel fully heard, that felt as if they had been marginalized and that a part of their authentic voice had been taken from them. And I, I put my own voice experience with that community's experience and and started to see the world differently. And I was like, wow, there are a lot of ways for humans to lose a piece of their voice in this world. And that perhaps even uh, the very purpose of a human life on Earth 
is to self-actualize, to find your own unique, authentic, never-to-be-repeated voice, to bring it forth, you know, to know it, to love it, to live it, and share it with the world. But that's not an easy thing to do under any set of conditions. But then particularly what I got thinking about is historically how have leaders of organizations and institutions affected that human quest for authentic voice. And I kind of concluded, unfortunately, that more often than not, uh, leaders have done more historically to restrict or limit or intimidate or direct the voices of others than to free them to self-expression. And that's when I got the idea because I, I was in a leadership position with our company that my voice condition could actually be a bit of a blessing and an invitation to lead differently in a way that strengthened the voices of others. And so then I got really excited about this idea within a company of uh, creating a structure and a culture that gave everybody a voice and invited everybody to lead and was a forum for everybody to feel authentically heard. Mm, wow. Yeah, I, it, it's so interesting looking throughout history. And, you know, you can do this in, in, in pinpoint times, but generally throughout history, there has been a lot of that, that, that restriction of self-expression and, and really marginalizing um, groups of people. And if you did the opposite of that, or if history had done the opposite of that, how much more expression and how much more opportunity we would have had to, for a diversity, you know, building the world out and just being human. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's so well said. Exactly. So I want to ask you the third question now. And so this one's about business. We've talked about it already. This is going to be kind of a rhetorical question for you, but I find it's powerful. And so the question is, do you believe social impact is an important part of business? Uh, Right. Thank you for the question. And the answer uh, is Definitely, yes. I would go so far as to say in the 21st century, it's essential. I think every question needs historical context. So perhaps in the 19th century or during the Industrial Revolution uh, or earlier, the answer to that question might have been different. But today, I think it's essential because I think the other question we have to ask ourselves uh, is otherwise, where do we think the social impact is going to come from? And if an institution as big as uh, business globally abdicates that responsibility, I don't see in this day and age how um, that void gets filled. 
And so for me, it's really about flipping the traditional business model. And instead of um, the employees for starters existing purely to serve the company, I'm really interested in an alternative script in which the company exists to serve the employees who are human beings, who are individuals, uh, and that in and of itself triggers the beginning of a, of a wave of social impact, including the employee's loyalty to the company, the employee's commitment to the company, and what I believe and found in our own company is that when the company focuses on serving the employees, that the company's own performance will improve, but that that um, increased profitability, if you will, is now the outcome, an important outcome, of a higher calling. And so what I've uh, been writing about and talking about and appreciate opportunities like this is the suggestion that, that making social impact a priority will, will not sacrifice the performance of a business. It will strengthen it. Hmm. I've, I've never thought of, I mean, I thought of business as a catalyst for social impact, but I've never thought of using an institution to as one of the most beneficial ways to create that social impact, right? What, what you had said really opened up my eyes to, we have these large institutions and they're drivers in the world. We can flip that script from using it as a driver purely economically to a driver for that impact. That's a way to make substantial change in the world. Correct. Yeah, totally. That's opened up my eyes. Wow. <laughs> wow. So I'm going to ask you the last question now. And this question is not so much about business, not so much about you, but rather your advice. And so the question is, for people watching today or people listening rather today, what is your advice for these people to begin making an impact in their own world? That's such a lovely question, Avery. Thank you for posing it. And the reason I think it's a lovely question is it sets the right orientation, which is for all of us as individuals to think about what we can do. And, and I think that's the right framework. I think we uh, create change uh, from the inside out. It starts from within on an individual level. And when we change as individuals, that change reverberates out into the world around us. So uh, my advice would be that simply don't underestimate your own personal power. And I'm so glad you asked that question because that's actually like the primary focus of my upcoming book. The title is The Seventh Power. And that is a Lakota Sioux uh, concept that the, 
the uh, Lakota Medicine Wheel celebrates uh, the six great external powers, the West, North, East, South, Sky, and Earth, symbolized through the Lakota Medicine Wheel. But some uh, who know the old ways of the Sioux will say that at the center of the medicine wheel, the very intersection of the wheel itself, a seventh power lives. And that seventh power is you. It's me. It is the individual human spirit. And I think the planet is in transition from a institutionally centric view of social impact to an individually centric view of social impact. But for that to happen, what's required is every individual needs to uh, turn inward, inward, look at themselves, and realize uh, their own innate sacred power and capability that dwells within us all and then to come back to where we started make sure that we're all using that power as best we can intentionally wow that's powerful <laughs> i i've it's interesting when when we talk. Uh, I, I took a, um, an entire course on uh, on indigenous knowledge, and it was Anishinaabe uh, that I took. But the the power of those those visualizations, and then realizing that we're all in the middle of it, is is not only true, but it, it is a powerful reminder that people are at the center of everything, and that any decision we make affects humanity. Right. Correct. So wherever you are. In, in your journey, uh, spiritually or literally, you are at the center. And so we have another concept that that uh, builds on this that I love, which which is embodied in the phrase "mitakie uh, oyasen," which means uh, we're all related or we're all brothers, or all things are one thing. And so this uh, goes back to that uh, basic truth that plays out scientifically or spiritually that everything in the universe is essentially made of the same uh, stardust, whether that is a sun or a human, or whatever the case may be. And so to the extent that the universe itself is sacred, so too is every human being. We are manifestations of that sacred uh, universe, and we're related to every, whether we like to believe it or not, to every other person uh, and being or entity uh, that, that there is out there. And when you start to see everything as an extension of you, not being separate from you, that to me is a paradigm shifting view that really directly uh, changes the way we think about social impact. Because I think in the view of everyone is related, there is no winning without everybody winning. There's 
only there's only winning that that advances humanity for everyone. Wow. There is no winning unless everyone's winning. Correct, which is very different from the kind of primeval model when you think about it, Avery, that, that, that primeval caveman-type model of uh, survival of the fittest is eat or be eaten, kill or be killed. And so we've come out of that background, and I think as a civilization have not realized that we're arriving in a different place today. Again, place and time matters. In the 21st century, with a view that we are all connected, we're all brothers, it's a single human tribe, that winning is, is only winning when everybody wins. So you pull that back to a corporation, and again, social. this is where social impact becomes the obvious outcome of a corporation. We need to set our business up so that everybody that works at the company is advancing their life in a holistic way as a result of being connected to the company. And in the absence of that, the company is not fulfilling its 21st century social impact potential and responsibility. That's powerful. Wow. So Kevin, I want to just end the podcast with saying, uh, again, a big thanks for being with me here today. Uh, you bring probably one of the most unique views that I've seen. Uh, and I love the indigenous knowledge built in just because that's close to my own heart. And, um, and that statement, no, we're not winning unless everyone's winning. I think that's a powerful way to live. So again, Kevin, I just want to say thanks for being with me here today. It was my pleasure, Avery. Thank you for having me.